And welcome back to the PCS Podcast, your home for all things competitive Pokemon TCG. Sorry about not having an episode last week. I was sick. I didn't have a voice completely on me, but thank you for joining us. This week we have a lot to talk about, like the Charlotte results, the Fort Wayne regional results, as well as the Sydney regional results. We're going to talk about a judge call or a situation that was just flat out bad but i guess that's nothing new here on the pcs podcast we're also going to be talking about a whole bunch of new cards that we selected from clay burst and pokemon 151 as well as some exciting news hopefully coming to a local shop near you and then we're going to wrap up the show by justin and i saying goodbye to some of our favorite early sword and shield cards and some of our not so favorite sword and shield cards but without further ado let's get into it justin how you doing i'm doing much better this week uh like you we were kind of talking before the pod uh i was also a little under the weather last week so um you know rough voice lots of coughing so it was probably good people didn't hear our horrible voices uh last week um other than that, I'm good. I'm going through a crazy, hectic time at work. Um, I just, if you guys have seen some of my posts and stuff, I've just been, we've been breaking all of our sales numbers uh, in recent history for our brewery, which has been awesome, but also keeping me very, very busy on top of rotation uh, upon us and, um, you know, being a dad at the same time and a husband. So it's been, been, been a little hectic couple weeks, but very, very good. Um, how are you doing, Drew? I am a lot better. I sounded like complete death last week. Uh, it definitely took me out, made it hard to, uh, you know, really play cards. I had a really cool uh, post-rotation event on Tuesday, but by the end of that, my voice was absolutely shot, and I had a lot of things like our own podcast to do uh, that unfortunately got pushed to the wayside because of that. Uh, but other than that, I've been working and that's it I mean, maybe nevada will make up its mind about this whole hot cold hot cold weather we've been having but it, it is what it is but because of the hot cold hot cold weather i have been staying inside and what have i been doing inside well i have been watching the pokemon tcg and before we get into the results for charlotte which we missed last week figured we talk a little bit about ultimate guard uh the results recap is sponsored by ultimate guard and when it's time to upgrade your tcg storage or just to resleeve your favorite deck be sure to check out ultimate guards premium accessories charlotte north carolina a week late but it had seven uh, what is it 1170 masters and what won this whole event yeah in first place we had aiden cuss cuss coos cuss it's coos coos with uh, Eternatus VMAX, um, as people have coined it, the Returnatus, because this deck was dead for a long time. And until the last like month or so, we hadn't seen Eternatus whatsoever. Um, paired up with Galarian Weezing nonetheless, so nothing like swinging big numbers and locking your opponent out of being able to use their abilities, which so many decks in this format um, that's coming to an end use abilities. So... Just very strong combo, very strong card, and uh, a very annoying a deck to play against. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on this deck, Drew? 
Uh, first, I want to talk about Aiden. Aiden Coos was an absolute character on stream. There were so many instances where uh, they draw with a supporter and then draw with a crowbat and get absolutely nothing. They had to force seal stone for a single dark energy just to keep the deck rolling. Uh, but if you watch the finals, you wouldn't even known he played Eternatus. They might have been, might as well have been playing Weezing because that's all you saw. I suppose that makes it incredibly favorable against things like Reggie's if you get the Radiant Sneasler out and you're doing the right amount of poison damage, just knock things out, prevent them from accelerating any energy, and then wasting their ropes and gusting. Uh, but other than that, man, it just looks like a very, very manipulative and evil <laughs> version of Eternatus that I am very thankful to not play against. Uh, when you're looking at this deck, you're seeing the one boost shake. Like, yes, you can force Seal Stone for it to lock your opponent out of the game to get the Weezing in the active on your first turn. But, <laughs> man, you got to get really, really lucky and you got to not prize it. But another cool one of tech that I do like in this deck is the Echoing Horn. Now, the application, I'm not entirely sure about it, but I have a pretty good feeling uh, that it works very well against things like Reggie's if you're sneaky or against things like Mew or Lugia if you just want to get something with a little lower HP up into the business. Uh, Mew, maybe not so much, but you could probably, uh, if you put a bunch of Mews down, they're drawing a whole bunch less and giving them one less opportunity to use things like a Genesect to draw out. Um, could just be super duper manipulative. But watching Aiden play on stream was just, it was very entertaining. And I wish we had more competitors that had uh, that kind of lively spirit playing their deck on stream. Yeah, the uh, the Echoing Horn can be so cheeky against something like Reggie's, which was, you know, the fi in the finals as well. Um, just because, just to avoid knockouts, Reggie's is using those scoop up nets. You know, once, once there's a lot of damage on a Reggie from the poison, they scoop up net it, bring something else up, and try to play around that damage. Well, once they're down a couple scoop up nets and you take a knockout on something finally, Echoing Horn can be like just absolutely wild to shut down. Not only are you shutting down the ability and then maybe they can gust around it, but now they have an extra copy of a Reggie on the bench that now they can't do the ability. So super cool tech in there. Um, I do like too as well the four, uh, four Marnie and three Judge. Just super, super disruptive. I mean... Marnie itself has always been a really strong disruptive card, but now adding a you know three count of judge in there, that's just seven counts supporter counts that literally just let me get rid of everything in your hand and make you start over. You can't stack it, can't set up. So really, really good disruption there. And uh, the three temple of Sinnoh too. We're in such a or we're coming to an end of the format, but uh, the format currently is so special energy heavy. Those temple of Sinnohs, like we've talked about multiple times uh, in recent episodes. Just really, really strong to shut those energies off and shut many, many decks down. So if you can get one of those to stick, it's just really strong. Yeah, and we saw his opponent that took second place. Uh, Charlie Kerr prized, what was it, two Path to the Peak in the final. So those Templists, you know, I think it was three. Stuck a, I think you at three. That sounds about right. Um, but the Templists, you know, stuck around for a while. So it's really hard uh, for something like... Uh, Reggie's to get rocking if all your energy is special and your hand attaching every turn because you have no abilities. But that seems like a perfect time to transition into Charlie Kerr's second place, uh, Reggie Gigas deck. You, being my resident Reggie expert, tell me what you like about this deck. Um, so I really like, and I, I saw a lot of people over Twitter saying that 
Charlie found the the broken combo for Reggie's in the bad Reggie Drago, the one that does 240 minus. Um, I personally piloted that in my deck at Knoxville, cough, cough. Um, I think that there is actually uh, really great, especially in this metagame where you have a lot of 220 HP basic Vs. So if you can really get set up with your, um, your Aurora energies early, you can take really big knockouts with that Reggie Drago, which was something I really liked in Reggie's. Um, recently. We also see that they're playing a double count of the energy lotto, so uh, something that I hadn't been playing in my list until um, after Knoxville, because I, one of my flaws was I was always whipping like one Aurora energy when I needed it. Um, but the fact that there's two there is kind of guaranteeing that you're going to find an energy when you need it. Um, and Reggie's, obviously, like we've talked about, is very reliant on its special energies. Super, super strong. Um, Charlie's also a Florida player i've played against him many times incredibly good player um especially for how young he is too the one thing i don't like however though is the the lack of of gust we only see one escape rope and one serena and one boss um personally i would love to see a little bit more gusting in there but i mean i guess if you time things right and if you're really good with sequencing the reggies you need when you need them you don't really need to gust too much because you can swing in with different weaknesses against different things as long as you're resource managing really um, correctly with your ordinary rods and letting them take out take knockouts on things um, as you want them to take knockouts. Yeah, and that proved to be pretty problematic in the final. Uh, Charlie Kerr and Aiden Coos actually tied earlier in this tournament. That gave Aiden a lot of information to work with seeing Charlie have to um, use the electromagnetic radar um, attack on the bad lucky, if you will, to go grab that escape rope a couple times, and then uh, Aiden would just Marnie or judge them. And it uh, proved to be really, really problematic because it'd be a couple turns before you draw back into that gusting effect to hopefully get you out from behind something like the Galarian Wheezing. So I think that was very circumstantial. I think this deck is still very good. At the end of the day, it is Reggie's. Um, but I love the bad Reggie Drago, the the one that hits 240 um, with the um, energy. The if it has like HP loss, it does like 20 less damage for every damage counter that's on it. Um, I, I think that that Reggie is incredibly strong because you're really not getting two shot ever. You're getting knocked out once every single time, and you're coming back in with another flavor Reggie every time. So it. You know, I mean, maybe Lost Box would be the only thing really problematic if they were setting up some Sableye math. But then I feel like unless they're playing Dragonite, you're not going to play that Reggie Drago other than to draw with Dragon's Horde on the other Reggie Drago um, in its entirety. Yeah, one of the things I found, um, you know, not to bring it back to, to my playing in Knoxville, but I found very often, like, I only actually attacked with that Reggie Drago maybe once or twice in my entire, like, nine rounds that I played. But the biggest thing was if you were playing something with, like, a V-heavy deck, you could almost threaten... Um, and scare your opponent into going after that Reggie and therefore leaving energies on. You know, you could kind of, in a way, manipulate around what you wanted them to attack. Because there was multiple times I would lay that down on the bench just to accelerate the energies to my active because, say, I didn't have the other Reggie Drago in my hand, or even if I did, I kind of knew it's like, oh, if they knock out my active, I'll just go in with this. But if not, um, they'll gust that up, knock it out, and I'll just come back in with my you know, say my Reg Ice or something that already has energies on it and swing again. So it was it was a really good card for just kind of, um, I don't want to say calling your bluff, but uh, um, 
Oh, what's the term I'm looking for? Anyway, you're you're putting it down. It's kind of like a bait and switch card, if you yeah, will. exactly a bait. And, that's that's the term I'm looking for. A bait and switch. They they would see it come down and they go, oh, they must you know be planning to swing and take a knockout with that. So I need to gust that up and knock it out. But then they're leaving energies on board and you're perfectly good to go. So um, it's really good for that aspect too. Even if you're not going to swing uh, swing with it. Yeah. No. This. Uh... I think I think bad Lecky and bad Drago towards the end of the format ended up becoming very essential to that particular deck. And I think we're going to transition into Fort Knox now that had... Fort um, Wayne, right? Is it Fort Wayne or is it Fort Knox? Oh, God. Fort Wayne, yeah. Everybody... <laughs> Yeah, so now we're going to transition into the Fort Wayne <laughs> regional, <laughs> and uh, this one had 1,154 Masters, and it was won by Lawson Gudra, another favorite of the PCS podcast. And this build is different and very effective. What do you see, buddy? Um, one thing I noticed right off the bat is just the three count of Mirage Gate instead of the normal four. Um, you know, we've seen some players, I believe Stefan Ivanov was playing with three, uh, recently, but I've, like we've mentioned in the past where I'm a fan of four, but, uh, lower count of Melanie, no Raihan whatsoever. Um, and then one Roxanne. Other than that, it looks pretty streamlined, uh, lost Gudra like we've talked about but yeah just really crazy the fact that there's um lower counts of melanie no raihan so a lot of these attached from the discard um supporters as well as you know either a draw three or search for whatever card you need so kind of an interesting take on the build but at the same time i kind of like it because Gudra's ability to tank hits and then heal itself kind of lends to you don't really necessarily are going to have a lot of things in the discard you need to cycle all the time. Um, what do you think, Drew? Um, yeah, so Raihan, you get knocked out, so you're already giving up prizes. You accelerate an energy from the discard pile onto something, and then you go grab one card. Mid to late game, Melanie might be more impactful. Obviously, you want to get as many cards into the Lost Zone as you can, so you're using as many Colrus as you see fit to get to that magic seven number uh, with a combination of flower selecting and so on and so forth. Uh, but then how do you accelerate energy if you're missing a Mirage Gate? Well, I think two Melanie really f- scratches that itch and you get to draw three cards on top of it. We saw a little bit of this, um, I don't want to call it theory crafting, but when they added the Bird Keeper in the Lost Box, drawing cards is great once you have this, the certain amount of cards in the Lost Zone uh, from Chorus and so on and so forth. And I think that Melanie does what Gudra needs it to do is, you know, you're not always giving up knockouts because it is so tanky. Just adding resources to your hand and accelerating energy onto Gudra and or Drapion if you feel like it just seems really good. Yeah, um, whenever I was playing Gudra myself, um, granted I was playing Art Gudra, Melanie was just so strong in that deck um, because it's fulfilling one of the energy's cost as well as your drawing three cards so you could literally do a combo like get rid of water energy off right anchor ninja draw two and then melanie to draw three more so you're drawing five cards six if you count your card for turn literally just by powering up your gudra so i do think it is really strong really effective raihan's great for like say if something early on like a comfy gets knocked out but like we've mentioned you don't necessarily need it um, you're kind of already expecting your companies to get knocked out anyways, and might as well use your Colors experiment to get more cards in the Lost Zone just so you can use those Mirage Gates that much faster in the early game. So 
Um, it does kind of seem like Raihan, you know, good inclusion, but not necessarily needed. In something that gets knocked out that doesn't have an 80 damage reduction caveat to it, I think that Raihan's definitely a little bit better. Um, we're going to see some decks that play some heavy Raihan in a, in a second here. Uh, what I would have liked to see is a second Roxanne, but it's still one without it, and I think that uh, the deck is very good. It's, you know, I, I think that we've always had this, this discussion of like for capture or for battle VIP pass, what's the ball count? And they're running two Ultra Ball, which seems to fit the needs for this deck perfectly. Like, there's plenty of fodder. You're rarely going to need to play four Chorus in an entire game. So it's, it just seems like this deck has a tremendous amount of potential. And I also don't see a lot that this deck could potentially lose. Obviously, Big Parasol, Scoop Up Net, um, an Air Balloon. But other than that, this deck might also be ready for post-rotation just with the Melanie, Boss, and Chorus engine staying very prevalent. Yeah, exactly. Just up those escape ropes and you're good to go. Absolutely. And then second place was Noah Sawyer playing Lugia Archaeops. And I wrote a little bit of a novel about this deck just because we are losing this variety Lugia deck. And I said, here is what I say. Um, well, here it is. Last time we get to talk about the ultra variety attacker Lugia Aurora Energy. Do whatever I want toolbox. This deck's core hasn't changed much through the course of its tenure. We've seen things like Green and VMAX, Reggie Gigas, um, Flying Peak, Galarian Mr. Rhyme, Espeon VMAX, Crobat VMAX, Single Striker Shifu, and even the whole debate with the Spiral Energy when this deck didn't respect Paralysis. It's just so strong. The mechanic will be great going forward, and Archaeops is just an insane card in general. Uh, here we see a sneaky Sorlax with the unfazed fat giving you the edge against things like late game Sableye. The heat energy and the speed energy is something that I like to see. Uh, you have a lot of outs to use both Eveltal Lazard in a game, or Raikou Zard, or Raikou Eveltal with this specific combo of four Aurora, one speed, one heat, and your double turbos, of course. And I still just don't understand how people keep finding space in these decks to have this tech because it runs one lost vacuum, one escape rope, and one belt, plus the spicy Irida, but only one Serena, which I think gives you that edge. But man, it just feels like everybody keeps adding cards to Lugia and they don't lose anything. Yeah, I agree. Um, it looks like they actually chose to cut a capture energy potentially for that Snorlax. But yeah, I agree. This you, you see the Lugia list and you're like, how could we add this extra card in? And somehow they make it work. Uh, one thing I find kind of weird, though, is the inclusion of Irida. Um, usually you're seeing that when people are starting to play or are playing the Canceling Cologne in their list. But this list isn't playing the Canceling Cologne, so I guess you could get the Choice Belt or Lost Vacuum or something when you need it. So in a sense, it it can work, but... I feel like when you're looking for that one of item, uh, like I said, the canceling clones, usually that choice, but I really do like that Snorlax inclusion. Um, I think for just it's what it's hitting. Um, it's really good, especially the fact that whenever you're playing against something like lost box, you know, they're expecting the lost box to go in and pre uh, prey on your attackers with something like Sableye. Well, if you got the Snorlax in the active and you've already got the energy on it, they can't the ability says no you can't knock me out and i'm just going to keep swinging on you sure go ahead and put chip damage on archaeops and stuff like that as long as you're not knocking out my active i don't care i've already got my energies on it so 
Um, I do like that aspect for there, but yeah, it's just other than the Snorlax, just <laughs> literally streamline Lugia. It's um, really good. It's gonna rotate, which everyone I'm sure happy is happy for. But uh, we got like you said, we got to give it to this deck. It's nothing has come out and been this dominant and like you said, won this much money in like history of Pokemon TCG. At least that you know I've seen or know of, and pretty sure. That, there's facts to back that too, which is crazy. Yeah, in the um, what is it called? Like the the cash prizing era of Pokemon, Lugia Archaeops is the winningest deck ever. Obviously, inflation has increased some prizing in terms of money with more recent events. But man, this this deck has just taken home so many titles, and it's broken so many hearts and. You know, I it is going to be a little bittersweet because it was really cool to see a lot of players tech against this deck and beat it, like Lugia, or not like not like Lugia, but Gudra, and it just it brought out a lot of uh, good thinkers, good deck builders, and stuff like that. And I always think that the best deck in format has a tendency to tax those who are willing to put in the work, and it pays off. So you know, we I am going to miss this deck at that capacity, but. I'm not going to miss all these variety <laughs> attackers going forward. Um, but we don't get to stop talking about the variety attackers at all because we're going to talk about Sydney next. That had 242 masters, just a little bit smaller than the last two that we were talking about. And first place was taken home by Brent Tunnison playing Lost Ray and Raikou at 13, 1, and 3. That is an insane record. <laughs> and what yeah. can you tell me about this deck? Yeah, so this deck is, I mean, pretty streamlined Rayquaza. I mean, super close to Pablo's list that, you know, Tableman who came up with the, the deck itself originally. I think he came up or at least came up with the most Yeah, he played this in San Diego and everybody was like, oh crap, you playing Ray and Raikou in the same deck? This is bonkers. And go on, carry on. Yeah, yeah. And just, you know, very, very consistent as far as the this trainer counts we're seeing. Obviously, your four Colrus, two Raihan, two Boss, four Mirage Gate, four Battle VIP, four Quick Ball, four Scoop, four Escape Robes, which is yeah, massive. <laughs> no wheezing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, something interesting is the two Air Balloons. I've usually only see one. I feel like in these lists, um, and then of course all your your variety of energies and things like that. But um, it's honestly very similar to one of my buddies that played up in Charlotte, um, his list that he played, uh, very streamlined like this, and it's very incredibly powerful um, because you just can constantly get what you need when you need it and streamline everything. It's you, you look at this deck on paper and you think, how do you get something like this going? And it's amazing how well sequencing works with this deck, as long as you know you don't <laughs> lost so in the wrong thing off of Comfy, but um, just a very cool very strong deck relies heavily on those Raihan plays so that's why we see the two count in there um yeah what's what's your thoughts drew uh i obviously i really do like this deck um lost box just has such a high skill ceiling and those who can play it well and sequence well are definitely rewarded in the form of a first place regional finish uh, what I do really, really enjoy about this deck is that it doesn't have the Drapion, it doesn't have the Raikou V, it doesn't have the Dragonite. You have no V Pokemon in here whatsoever. So your Manaphy's putting the whole team on its back so that Lugia can't do the 2-2-2 system that it implements very, very well. And I think you just have the correct amount of attackers and 
the lack there of spicy tech in this deck really proves that the lost box worth is it's incredible and you know we're going to see a deck very similar to it in the second place list that was jeremy lynn who played lost zamazenta and friends at an 11 and 3 and 3 record go ahead and talk about this list a little bit will you yeah, so we see the, um, you know, kind of the streamlined main Lost Box attackers uh, playing two Raikou, one Zamazenta from, uh, oh god, Cham- not Crown Champions. Zenith. Crown Zenith. I was going to say Champion's Path for some reason. Um, then we see the amazing rare uh, Zamazenta, Zacian. Oh, I can't, my brain doesn't want to function today. Um, <laughs> and then the Galarian Zigzagoon in there as well, so... Um, really cool tech in the Amazing Zacian. I know that that's something that a lot of people had theoried for a long time, especially with their you know when there was a lot of Vmax running around, pretty rampant. Because um, it does say as long as there's a Vmax in play, not just in your active, so you can smack something in the active. If some say there's a uh, you know Eternatus Vmax on the bench or something like that, and you can just one shot a Crobat at that point. Um, the one thing that I do think is like it, they missed out on is the opportunity to have that choice belt um, to be able to do more damage. So there is no choice belt in this list, even though they are running that amazing Zacian. Um, but they are running kind of those streamlined uh, support or not supporters uh, trainers. Uh, we do see the two switching cart in here, uh, but other than that, uh, the one Temple of Sinnoh is kind of interesting. I can see like we talked about where it can shut off uh you know in certain plays but with there only being one i feel like that's just an easy bump for any of these special energy decks to get rid of and then you know they're back off to the races so um kind of a you know i could see it having some cute plays but at the same time i don't think it's a necessary inclusion although um i'm sure they used it multiple times in the second place finish yeah, um, there wasn't a lot of Lugia in Top Cut, if I'm not mistaken. Lost Box itself of the variety attackers um, was the most heavily played in Top 8 at like 4, if I'm not mistaken. And that's pretty outstanding. And you know, again, we're seeing no cute V Pokemon, no Raikou, no Dragonites, no, um, you know, the... Sorry, words are escaping me right now. The Drapions. Uh, and it must it must have just been a really good meta call for the field that they were in. They wouldn't need those variety attackers to really do anything that the Zamazenta and Zacian could not. Um, this deck did play against Mu VMAX, uh, piloted by Natalie Miller, or Millar, and uh, one other player who was playing Arceus Flying Peak. Um, I would imagine the Zacian kind of came in handy there. Uh, I would see it potentially doing more with against things like Duraludon, given that you know no special energy hit like a brick give up one prize um but 300 damage isn't knocking anything out so the galarian zigzagoon having the multifaceted um headbutt tantrum ability to help sableye knock out the 70 hp uh bench sitters in the form of manaphy and stuff like that um, also comes in handy here because you're running a whole bunch of scoop up nets. If you just choose to pivot the zigzagoon into the active before you go to uh, scoop it up and then promote the comfy to draw more cards with flower selecting and put the zigzagoon back down, it's just a great math fixer. So um, really cool to see a deck like this do well. Again, running double Raihan, very necessary in a Mirage Gate heavy deck like this. Um, but you know, you obviously can't run the Melanie because there's no V Pokemon. So. Uh, we'll have to see how this transcends into the next format. 
I think Gudra will probably continue to play Melanie. And I think that decks like these, with the exception of the Amazing Raikus and Zashins leaving, uh, will probably stay the course of running high Raihan counts. Yeah, I agree. I think Raihan is going to be a really strong card for Lost Box going into the next format. I tend to agree, and that wraps up our entire results recap. And super fun, and I'm sorry so much uh, for everybody who had to wait a whole week to hear about Eternatus winning, but it was worth it, you know? Okay, so we're going to transition into the hot topic. And everybody's already talked about this because we're a week late. So I'm not going to go into much detail about the events that transpired with the player in the Masters Division during the Charlotte Regionals. Everybody's already given their two cents about the topic, but to keep it brief, a player was DQ'd for the tone in which they answered a question about their preferred pronouns. A player was given their side of the story on Twitter, and you can all go read about it on super reliable news sources like Fox News. (coughs) Gross. And I advise you to do your own research and just kind of peruse Pokemon Twitter and see what you can find. Um, But what I want to say about a player getting DQ'd, about the tone in which they answered a question about pronouns, um, I know that we should be respectful of pronouns, and I get wanting to enforce an inclusive atmosphere, but this player getting DQ'd from the whole event because of their tone is bananas. Like, (laughs) this is obnoxious. This is a power trip thing. Every single event, I'm having to read a new twit longer about a judge or staff member doing something just completely over the top, and this needs to stop. Please don't take your job this seriously unless it has to do with regulating the state of the game, dealing with cheaters, or a real threat to the community and atmosphere at the event. We missed having regionals, we love the production that is put into these events, and we clearly enjoy aspects about these championships because we continue to pay the entry, our travel expenses, and for the shiny paper to come compete at these events. But I would love to have one event where I didn't have to question the character of those who hire slash work these events. Why? Pokemon, just why? Deal with <laughs> your people, man. Justin, do you have any thoughts on this? Um... I kind of made a, a tweet that went a little viral um, about my thoughts based on the judges um, and this, this this incident and previous incidences and future incidents. Um, and maybe this is just from coming from kind of a business-esque background. Um, you know, these events are only getting bigger. Um, and my thoughts on if they're getting bigger, that means we need better judging. And how do we get better judging? We need to... Um, go. I think the judges need to go through some kind of, um, oh god, like certification like an, almost. And I know they but like do. an HR training too. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's and that's kind of where I'm going with that is because uh, they do go through a certification to know like basic rules and things like that, and even sometimes that they fail. Um, but in professional sports, referees and things like that, they don't get. Uh, find for making bad calls but they do have a thing that goes on it's like a permanent record almost um so if they're a judge or a referee that's known to make a lot of bad calls well obviously they're not going to get hired to referee high level games and things like that so if we did something where the judges got um you know they they make a bad call and you know how with players at a regional you get a permanent like your permanent record for the regional so if you get a warning one time next round you make another mistake now it becomes a prize penalty because you've already had warnings 
and so on and so on. It escalates. Do that with the judges, but don't make it just a regional-based thing. Make it a whole season-based thing. So you have so if a judge, this, and this is me going into too long of a discussion on this probably, but anyways, uh, you know how the judges all have their their iPads that they walk around with. When a judge makes a call, the judge puts into their iPad the, the call they made for what this is. Take a photo with it if they need to. It's an iPad. It's got a camera on it. And then it goes into a database. So then later on, the head judges can look at these things and go, oh, that was a bad call. And the head judge can tell that judge, that judge, hey, that was a bad call. It goes on their record, and these things stack up. So if there's a judge that's known to make bad calls over and over and over again, maybe that guy doesn't get first-round pick to come back and judge all the events because he just wants to travel the country and judge things. So I think there needs to be some accountability, even some things like me. I've been a professional brewer for 10 years now, which is weird to say. Um, but every year I still go to – I my company pays because I want to go to different conferences – and classes and learn things so why doesn't pokemon have a thing that once a year that all these professors get together and do classes on calls even if it's over skype like hey let's do these classes and let's regulate people so everyone has a better understanding of what the calls are supposed to be in certain situations and that way just better education for everyone which leads to a better overall experience for players and judges alike so we they're on the same pages of calls and things like that so Yes, this is maybe hope, you know, wishful thinking. Like I said, from a business background, there's it's always better to have continued education and continued growing and learning to better the companies and businesses that you're a part of. And me trying to translate that to this card game that I love. But I do think that we need to do something where the judges are also held accountable for these bad calls because it seems like every single event there's some kind of bad call. I mean, there's also other twitter drama that happens along with it but it just i constantly hear about these bad calls and it makes me worried about like i'm still going to go to regionals when i can but it makes me worry what is the little thing that i'm going to do that slips up that i get dq'd for on a bad call or i get a game loss from a bad call i mean for it going back to this whole thing because it's pronouns i'm an old school skateboard surfer kid from florida so i say dude and man all the time am i going to get dq'd because i go up to say hey what's up man how you doing and someone goes whoa, I, you know, I'm offended by that. I'm just gonna be like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I didn't know. But, you know, in this instance, this is exactly what happened to this player and they still got DQ'd even though they were extremely sorry. So it just makes me worried because there are bad calls being thrown left and right. And I'm sorry that I drug this out a little bit and ranted some, but just wanted to get that point across. No, you're fine. I I really do think that we just need to, Find the good judges and the good people and make this job that they are, you know, sacrificing their time, money, and effort to come do more appetizing for those who are going to do it correctly. <laughs> like, I just, I, I can't see a world where a DQ because of the tone in someone's voice and the way that they had said something when asked about a topic related to their pronouns. I just, I feel like it was a, another power trip type move. And I'm I'm getting real sick of it. It's super, super duper annoying because I've met so many good judges. I've met so many good staff members. The production that is put into these events is outstanding. But then you have one bad apple that turns the whole attitude from the outside looking in just absolutely south. And I feel really bad for the player that this did affect. And I know that 
a lot of people, including the PCS podcast, did what they could to support them after the events of this issue. But man, it's just yeah, it, it beats me up, man. It sucks. And I do want to add just, real quick too, like there are a lot of amazing judges out there, like you said. Like I've had so many great experiences with judges at these events, um, but I'm one of thousands of people that attend these things now, and so it's like I've at gotten lucky to say the least that i've had such good interactions with the judges that i've had but yeah it does it does make it a little nerve-wracking sometimes that your whole trip can be completely wasted on a potential bad judge call yeah and i just it makes me wonder what's next what's the next egregious play so hopefully they can write the ship turn things around and really dig into the staff that they hire for these events and kind of hone in on the what's fair and what's not topic but we'll transition into the news now because i feel like we definitely beat that topic into the (laughs) ground uh we have a lot of new cards and new sets that have been leaked and revealed and we're going to talk about a lot of cards so justin the first card that i'm going to talk about is copper raja ex it is a metal type pokemon stage one 300 hp this thing is a monster and to top it all off it has the ability bronze body this pokemon takes 30 less damage from attacks from all pokemon which is pretty beefy you have to hit over 330 to knock this bad boy out it is weak to fire which is definitely helpful because radiant charizard sticking around a whopping four retreat cost but a resistance to grass alephion can take a small hike but not that big of a hike um, it's attack for two metal and one colorless nose quake. It does 260 damage and it does 30 damage to each of your bench Pokemon. Where have we seen this before? Dragonite V. What do you think about this card? Um, I think it's cool that they brought Copperaja back, um, for this card, but, and 330 is massive, especially for stage one. But I think with the big retreat costs, the condition as far as like the energy attachments it needs, um, and the fact that Paths does still also shut off the um, ability on EXs. Uh, I don't know. I'm just... It's cool. Big numbers. I don't think it's going to be super playable or super relevant, at least from what we've seen so far. Uh, if it wasn't a Stage 1, I'd agree. Um, the previous Qfints that it evolves from have been like 100 HP as a basic baby non-Robox Pokemon, so it's kind of tanky in that aspect as well uh but i could see without metal saucer this deck definitely being a little harder to pilot but that's nothing that a v-guard energy and a raihan can't really um fix you know so i think that this card has a tremendous amount of merit uh maybe played with something like zamazenta v-star that'll give it an additional 100 damage cushion (laughs) at the end of its turn yeah, and now that I think about it, yeah, V-Guard as well as that, um, oh my god, I'm blanking the name of the, the tool we talked about last week that was, or two weeks ago, that was uh, 50 HP extra as well, too, for any Pokemon. To the basic. Uh, oh, is it a basic? I think it's for basics only, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. Uh, I was thinking that would have been absolutely massive on that thing if that could go on there, too, but um yeah. i mean yeah we we did talk about tank and heal and tank and loop and pick up and stuff like that with penny and stuff so i guess it could have some merit especially if you really are wall stalling that much um but yeah i i don't know on at face value with the current carpool knowledge it's kind of mid <laughs> yeah i i would agree mid would definitely 
uh, categorize it well, but uh, intriguing is the word that I would use. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll let you go ahead and talk about the next card. Yeah, next up we have Pelipper, which is a colorless stage 1 uh, with 120 HP. It's got the ability Wind Letter. When you play this Pokemon from your hand to evolve one of your Pokemon during your turn, you may either search your deck for a supporter card, reveal it, put it into your hand, and shuffle your deck, or put a supporter card from your discard pile into your hand. For three colorless energies, wing attack for 90 damage, weak to lightning, resistance of fighting, and a retreat of two. Uh, thoughts, Drew? Um, I think it's cool. I like the ability of having this or that. Having to evolve from Pelipper and play it from your hand to trigger this effect is just a worse shady dealings. Um, but it's it's multifaceted in that aspect. I could see maybe a control deck benefiting from having the ability to do this or that, but then you're also playing a bunch of Wingles. So <laughs> it's like if the Wingles really good, then maybe. But I think that evolving one time and then having something only deals 90 damage, meh. Yeah. I, I think this thing's spot is maybe in uh, Zorobox as a kind of like game deciding like boss's order or something, maybe. Or wait, no, does it have to be from your hand? Oh, yeah, it does you have to be from your hand. You gotta evolve it. Yeah, so, that's the worst part. Yeah, so never mind. That was a complete flop on my end. Um, yeah, on top of that, don't we have Altaria, too, that does, like, search your deck for a supporter, and it puts it on top, it of, your deck, it on top of your deck, yeah. which I feel like that's just as strong as this, and it's not when you play it down. I believe that's every turn you could do that, so... Um, yeah, I think Altario is just a little better than this, unless you're just expecting to have a bunch of supporters in your discard pile. Maybe in like that, that Dadun Sparse Lugia build that we're theory crafting, this could see play in there. Because you can accelerate energy onto it with, uh, with the Archaeops, use it as an attacker sometime in the game, but then having that supporter at the ready one way or another to continue to cycle those the Dunsparce, maybe maybe that'll be the way we play it. I don't know. 90 damage is just kind of lackluster for that ability being as strong as it is. Yeah, I agree. Like, And maybe this is kind of a hint towards maybe they're bringing some kind of extra scoop up back, like a super scoop up or something like that, where you have to flip and bring it back to your hand. But um, the fact that you, like I said, have to evolve it, and it, yeah, just, I don't know. It's It's cool ability, but not worth, I think, putting in your deck right now. Yeah, for sure. It's just, it's a really good ability. It's a really bad everything else. <laughs> yeah. uh, the next Pokemon I'm going to talk about is the uh, Fortress EX Grass type Pokemon, 270 HP with the Terrestrial Effect ability uh, trait, whatever you want to call it. And this Pokemon doesn't take any damage from attacks while on the bench. Yippee. Um, its ability, Explosive Energy, though, once during your turn, you may search your deck for up to five Grass Energy. And attach them to your Pokemon any way you like, and then shuffle your deck. If you search your deck this way, this Pokemon is knocked out, and you do give up two prizes. For two grass, it does guard press for 120 damage, and during your opponent's next turn, this Pokemon takes 30 less damage from attacks. It is weak to fire, and has a retreat cost of three, and I'm so sorry for anybody who just listened to my cat yell at me during this card. Um, what are your thoughts, Justin, while I kick this cat out of the room? Yeah, you're good. I, uh, I actually really like this card for the, you know, for like a meme deck potential. Um, just for the fact that the explosive energy, the fact that you can add five energies to your Pokemon in any way you like, um, basic grass, of course, 
Um, I think that's just really cool to do. Um, the fact that it gives up two prize cards kind of sucks, but that also combos with the Iono that we talked about last week. So for that meme deck, you could do something like blow this thing up, your opponent takes two prize cards, you accelerate a bunch of energies, then you Iono them, put them down a couple cards uh, in their hands, and you're you know, getting a fresh hand. And then you're attacking and potentially not necessarily getting your prize lead back, but going back and being so set up, maybe it puts them in a bad position. But I think outside of the fact that um, it has like fun deck potential, I don't necessarily think it's going to be super competitive because anytime you put yourself in a position where you're going down to prize cards, um, the whole point of the game is to not have your opponent take prize cards, right? So when you're giving them away willy-nilly, it kind of sucks i like where you're at but i'll take it one step further so turn two you got two pineco out you evolve both of them you accelerate a bunch of energy onto a pokemon we're going to talk about here in a second and then you roxanne your opponent (laughs) put them to two cards super early in the game and you have a bunch of energy on the field you could just chew through your opponent and hope that they don't have the resources to climb back into a board state to take those final two prizes I think that this is sick. Like, you could also perk Radiant Charizard one turn earlier with this card. So it's got a tremendous amount of merit. Being able to give your opponent prizes and forcing them into a Roxanne hand when they have 60, like, I don't want to call it 60, but let's say 50-ish cards left in their deck is so obnoxious. Like, you have to have an explosive start to not get manipulated by something like this. Now, playing for Roxanne in a deck (laughs) sucks, because if you have it in your first hand and you've got no Fortress anywhere within sight or arm's reach, like, you're, you're doomed. But I think that there's definitely some way to play with it like that. Yeah, that sounds like super fun but it also sounds like just absolutely horrible if your opponent gets the two cards they need off that roxanne and they're just set off to the race they're like well i lose this one yep <laughs> they just attach to V and then like melanie or whatever or armor rouge to it and they're like okay cool poke and you're dead yeah so <laughs> it feels bad but uh yeah it's got it's got some stuff going for it uh, go ahead and talk about this next card, and this is the this is the combo that I'm thinking about. Yeah. So next next up we have Wo Chien EX. Uh, it's a grass basic Pokemon with 230 HP um, for two grass and a colorless Devouring Ivy. This attack does 60 damage to one of your opponent's benched Pokemon for each prize card your opponent has taken. Don't apply weakness and resistance for benched Pokemon. And then for three grass and colorless, forest burn, 220 damage, weak to fire, no resistance, and a retreat of four. So I like that combo you're thinking of, but Manaphy and your combo is dead. Off those six cards you just drew off of Roxanne, you don't think that the cross switcher canceling cologne <laughs> is a part of them. Come on, you gotta, you're thinking way too small here, buddy. Um, yeah, I think that. It's it's a risky combo for sure, but it's Delmize, you know, being able to do extra damage for every X that you have. In the previous case, it was Grass Energy on the Delmize that did 30 additional snipe for every Grass Energy. And then it also has an attack that deals 220 damage, which is perfect for Vs and most basic EXs. I think that this combo could be obnoxiously nasty. Yeah. Could you imagine if we had this Fortress EX at the same time as Delmize V and VMAX? 
That deck oh, would have God. been so good. <laughs> I'm so thankful every day that Expanded is dead because that sounds so fun to play <laughs> and not fun to play against. Yeah, but I think that this combo is kind of dirty. 230 HP makes it a little tankier, too. You've got a ton of energy on you, and then uh, you just shale it all off, and uh, you're you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't even shale. It's not even evolution Pokemon. It doesn't say. even work. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't even work. Yeah, okay, maybe the, the combo is not as busted as I thought. Um, the then next they pop Pokemon a Zard. <laughs> No, they have to take they, they they have to take a lot of prizes in order to, or I have to take a lot of prizes for them to swing into it, unless they use their fortress and put a bunch of grass energy hand attached the the water energy. I don't know. It's it's stupid. It's broken. Um, <laughs> um, the new card is the Spiritomb, psychic type Pokemon with sixty HP. It is a basic. Has the ability Pitch Black Doom. As long as this Pokemon is in play, basic Pokemon V have no abilities. Both yours and your opponents and for one cause it does vanish for 10 damage and put this pokemon and all cards attached to it into your hand weak to dark resistant to fighting and a retreat cost of one what do you think man they really said mew's time is now to be over <laughs> they wanted mew to get out of the format whatsoever they were like ah oh, let's print Klefki, but let's do one better let's make a pokemon where it doesn't have to be in the active it can just sit on your bench and turn off Genesex. So, yeah, this card is going to be wild. Yeah, you just get four Clef Key in play, two Spiritomb, attach an energy to your Spiritomb, and hit for 10 damage and give them no abilities for the rest of the game and just keep rotating with the Beach Court. It's, it's a great time. It's easy peasy. Like, they're just completely locked out of the game. Yeah, they attach I, a four seal stone. You promote the clef key. Attack with the clef key. Um, it's not gonna work, but it's in theory, it's funny. Yeah, I know. It's just one of those things where it's uh, it's a cool card, and it's obviously gonna be very strong again while these are still in the format. But it really does feel like they literally go, "Hey, I know you already had Drapion to attack with, but now you've got this to deal with as well, too." All right, so we're gonna talk about it from a competitive standpoint now. This also shuts off Drapion, so. If you're playing Mew, you could have a Spiritomb on your bench, draw less cards off of Genesect, but also now you're not threatened by Drapion at all. Also true. Um, the canceling clone rotator, that's staying in. That's going to stay. I bet you Mew is going to start playing canceling cologne when this card comes out because of that. <laughs> that sucks, though, because then you're like, okay, cram it away, or you have three of them in your hand and you have no Ultra Ball, no supporter to put it at the bottom of your deck. like. It seems bad. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it really does. But, I mean, if the, the, the diehard Mew players are going to have to find a way. But I do like that, how you're saying you play this card itself and then shut off the Drapions. That's it's kind of an interesting way to look at it. Um, you know, the only thing is you just better make sure your hand's good to go for the rest of the game at that point because it's stuck there unless you play a Penny or a Collapse Stadium. Yeah, you don't want to start it. That sounds bad. Um, but we'll move on to the next card. Um Go ahead and lead us off with this, buddy. Yeah, Tinkatonk EX is a stage 2 psychic Pokemon with 300 HP for two color, two colorless energies, humongous hammer, 30 times damage. This attack does 30 damage times the number of cards in your hand. Um, and for a psychic and two colorless pulverizing press, 140 damage. This attack's damage isn't affected by effects on your opponent's active Pokemon. Uh, weak to metal, resistance of none, and a retreat of 2. 
Um, so a really cool new gen Pokemon uh, in the Tinkatop, but unfortunately I don't think this card is super great at the moment. Um, the fact that it does 30 damage for each card in your hand is pretty cool, but with Diono in the format that we just got and Roxanne and things like that and just people being able to pare their hand down um, pretty well, I think you're going to be pretty easily able to play around that damage output, especially for a stage two um, in my personal opinion, um, what are your thoughts, Drew? What if I told you that this card has its own deck entirely dedicated to it? We also got another Tinkaton in Triplet Beat with 140 HP. It's a stage 2 as well that evolves from the same Evo line, um, which is Tinkatuff and then the first one. Its ability, Gather Materials. You must discard a card from your hand in order to use this ability, but once during your turn, you may draw three cards. So now, you have a way to streamline cards in your hand with the same Evo line that this bad boy uses. It also has a really cool attack for one Psychic and one Colossus. It does Special Hammer. It does 90 damage, and if this Pokemon has any special energy attached to it, it does 90 more damage. So, you're using the same Evo line for everything. And Ma. the... Good, huh? good, good. Listen, yeah, listen. yeah, yeah. So, so you're chilling. You have a special hammer attack that does 180. If you have a double turbo energy attached to it, it does 160, which is still respectable for a single prize or two. Do for two energy attachments and for two colorless, a double turbo energy fulfillment. If you are attacking with what is it called, humongous hammer, you have 10 cards in your hand that you just drew into off of the other Tinkaton. You get hit for 300 damage, minus 20 from the double turbo, 280, still very respectable. And you're not going to out Urshifu food with like four cards in your hand. So it's uh, kind of powerful. I think that it has a lot of merit in that instance. Yeah, my brain totally skipped whenever I read that. Um, I was thinking it was in your opponent's hand. It's in your own hand. So that does change things. I mean, granted, Judge and all that stuff is still in the format. But yeah, like you said, on your own turn, you could build your hand up then. So yeah. So like I said, when I read it, I was thinking it was your opponent's hand. So I was, yeah, I was like, there's nothing to make your opponent draw cards on your turn so yeah so that changes things completely uh the way i think of this card now yeah this card could potentially see um some play uh obviously like i said judge and iono but on your turn you could just keep building your hand up with those the basic or not basic but the uh single prizer stage two tinkatonk um yeah that's actually kind of interesting i i do like that um a lot more now than knowing that yeah, unfortunately, it's pre-Evos, don't necessarily have a whole lot of stuff going for them. Uh, Tink a Tink does, for one colorless, draw a card. Um, and then the other one, if you flip a coin, this attack does 20 damage, so that's kind of meh. The Tink a Tough does 30 damage, and then Boundless Power does 80 damage, and this Pokemon can't attack next turn, so it doesn't have like a Shady Dealings, Drizzile, or in the middle to help you do something that revolves around the archetype. But at the same time, Rare Candy can let you skip that on both of those cards. So there's uh, definitely some potential there, but not necessarily a, the immediate tier one stands out amongst the rest. But it does have Shred. And yes. that's something to definitely keep your eyes on. Yep, Shred is always good. Yep, the new supporter that we're getting, and I'm going to butcher this name, and I'm so sorry, uh, but it's uh, Giacomo, or... Yeah, Guy Como. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, something like that. Uh, but it's a supporter card. You discard a special energy from each of your opponent's Pokemon. This would have been so good against Lugia, but uh, I understand why we didn't have it. 
and uh, it seems very powerful. Yeah, if this was uh, around in the last set, I think yeah, Lugia wouldn't have been as powerful as it was, honestly. Because discarding from each, I mean, this is this could even be good. I don't necessarily think people are going to play this by any means, uh, at least right not right off the bat, for any specific reason. But if you did play this against something like a Mew VMAX, who, like, turn one, they attach a double turbo, and then turn two, just to make sure they've got another one ready to go, they attach another one, and you can get rid of two double turbos from Mew VMAX, you're in a good position right there. And even if they're playing, like, the Fusion Strike build, uh, or not uh, the Fusion Energy build, the just getting rid of those fusion strike energies would be insanely strong too because you know there's no recovery for those right now so yeah i think yeah, it could the, it'd be cool for that but i don't think anyone's specifically going to attack just for that we also have to imagine with things like spiritum cliff key and soon when we talk about this mimic um the fusion strike energy when attached to a genesect allows genesect to keep drawing because that is an ability that's directly affecting genesect so now you can stop them from drawing again with this supporter card. So you have a great point there with the Fusion Strike build. Yeah, yeah, and that is true. The Fusion Strike, I always forget that it shuts off the ability. So like in the past, Zigzagoon pings wouldn't work for something that had the energy attached. So so yeah, that would allow you... So actually, Fusion Strike build, Mew's probably going to be really good when the set comes out, just for the pure sake of the Spiritomb's going to be around. Well, it's like, hey, I'm going to still draw because this is attached now. Um, until you get comoed. Yeah, exactly. Until you get, so maybe this will see some more play just for that. But um, with the the crazy, not a ton of special energies out right now. I think that you know the only decks that'll play this is probably some kind of upcoming control variant. Which in control, this could be like insanely good. Yeah, I I think that control is probably the only home that this card will live in. But it's a good card if you're trying to control your opponent's energy. And speaking of special energy, why don't you go ahead and talk about the new one that's been revealed? Yeah, so I really like this one. Reversal energy, it's special energy. While attached to a Pokemon, this card provides one colorless energy. If you have more prize cards remaining than your opponent, and this card is attached to an evolution Pokemon that doesn't have a rule box, it provides three energy of any type instead. Um, really, really good. Um, Especially in things like we just talked about, the Tinkatonk that did the extra damage for the special energy attached, and it's a three mm-hmm. colorless. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just really good card to promote stage two um, one prizers, which I really love the direction Pokemon is going with this um, because um, I really like those kind of decks, even though they usually get outclassed. And it really seems like Pokemon realized that we need to focus on those kind of decks again. And by doing this, this gives gives those decks that much more potential to actually um, run and work. So uh, what are your thoughts, Drew? You can attack with Pelipper for one energy now. <laughs> it's <laughs> and get so your, easy. And get your guy Como back. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, um, I think that in the Dunsparce build that we were thinking about, this is going to be huge. Like, although it is variety energy, you can use it to fulfill any of the color um, energies. The Dunsparce needs four colorless to fulfill its attack. So now, with logistically, with one Archeops set up, you can accelerate one V-Guard energy and then one Reversal energy to paralyze your opponent, shuffle the Dunsparce back in, promote Clef Key, and then continue that cycle. So this makes it that much easier versus having to use the double turbos that we were talking about that would have knocked that, ener- that, uh, that attack down uh, one or two 
damage counters. Yeah, the the only thing as the Reggie player at heart I am, I wish it was to any ba- any single prize Pokemon, because then Reggie's would actually be playable again. No, but, this, you're the reason this has to be on Evolution Pokemon. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, but other than that, no, I, I really do love this card. I think it's it's going to see a lot of play when it comes out, especially if Stage 2 uh, lines are have potential. This is, like I said, this is just going to give them even more potential to um, have comeback, you know, comeback potential like Pokemon has been promising. Yep, I, I agree. I think that this steers the, the ship in the the right direction, like, um there was what is it the um what's it called there was a really good um primate ex i want to say or something along those lines or the annihilate annihilate yeah yeah that uh that had a really good attack on it but for the life of me i can't remember and it was before the ex was revealed and i i'm not gonna scroll forever to find it but i want to say it had a really obnoxious attack that wasn't worthwhile because it was, was that, such a big energy fulfillment was that the one that um, did you put damage counters on it and it does more like it swings for the amount of damage counters you put on it or something like that i don't think so i'll find it eventually and i'll post it in the discord once i do my research but there we go. um you know and if you know what it is hit up our twitter at pcs underscore pod and tell me how wrong and silly i am for clearly forgetting how good that card was um but yeah, I think that this is a great energy card. I think the circumstance with this energy makes it very fair. Um, until you get paralyzed eight turns in a row by Dedun Sparse. Uh, <laughs> the next card we're going to talk about is the Snow Mountain of Disaster. It is a stadium. Whenever a player attaches um, an energy card from their hand to one of their basic non-water Pokemon, you put two damage counters on that Pokemon. It's just old cemetery for basic pokemon for water and it's cool yeah that's pretty much what i was gonna say is it's old cemetery for uh basic non-waters it's pretty i imagine that this gold card is gonna be sick if we ever get one it is a beautiful art on there it's like pretty pretty nice for a stadium yeah it kind of looks like a magic card art if you will Uh, Go ahead and talk about the next stadium, because I'm more excited about this one. Yeah, so next up is Wilderness of Disaster. Uh, It's stadium retreat cost of each basic Pokemon, except fighting Pokemon, is colorless more. Um, So this is perfect for Spidops and Leafeon. Um, I just, you know, we just lost Galar Mine, and people were like, oh, you know, Spidops' ability does technically increase for Leafeon and both the attacks. But why not add even more with a stadium? Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's technically for you know fighting type Pokemon uh, to be able to take advantage of this, I think Leafeon is a perfect candidate for it because you're not really going to want to switch your Leafeon or Spidops out of the active anyways. You're going to want to sit there and swing with it. So why not play this down, bump something like a path, and hit big numbers so yeah i really really do like this card um, i think that's literally it's perfect home right there that or in something like control as well too yeah i am in the same boat i think that this is perfect for leafeon leafeon actually has a wonderful tool card that does not rotate the what is it the snow leaf badge gives the leafeon free retreat um it does get your spite ops stuck more often than you would like but at the same time, I really think that that additional one retreat cost push 
is going to be helpful. And most fighting type Pokemon have pretty high retreat costs as it is. So um, I think that this is going to be perfect for things like that. Next card we're going to talk about, if you didn't hate Mew VMAX enough, then uh, this card is definitely on the same page with you. The Mimikyu, Psychic-type Pokemon, 70 HP, Ability Safeguard, prevent all damage done to this Pokemon by attacks from your opponent's Pokemon EX and Pokemon V. Obviously, Mew has Max Miracle, which is Shred, so this isn't going to make it that good. But this could potentially bring things like Blissey back, too, because with Miltank not resisting attacks from things like V or uh, EX Pokemon, if you will, um, this might take that place and be very, very good. For one Psychic and one Colorless, it does Ghost Eye, and you put seven damage counters on your opponent's active Pokemon. Weak to Metal, retreat cost of one. It's just another Mill Tank, man. It's really good, and uh, Radiant Greninja can take it off the bench, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Pokemon always has its token safeguard Pokemon. Um, nothing much to say about that. It just makes you think about, especially now that we're in a EX era where they evolve, um, just makes you think about evolving and swinging with the previous evolution. Other than that, um, it's safeguard. <laughs> yep, yep, it is exactly. And go ahead and talk about the last card from the Clay Burst release, and we're going to move into more stuff. Yeah, next up is Belly Bolt EX. It's a Lightning uh, Stage 2 or Stage 1? It's a Stage 1. Oh yeah, never mind, I see it in the notes right there. The Stage 1, uh, 280 HP, evolves from Tadbulb. Uh, for two colorless jump press, this attack does 50 damage to one of your opponent's Pokemon. Uh, don't apply weakness and resistance for bench Pokemon. And then for two lightning and a colorless paralyzing ball, 160 damage. You may discard two lightning energies from this Pokemon. If you do, your opponent's active Pokemon is now paralyzed. Weak to fighting, uh, no resistance, and a retreat of three. Um... Paralysis is always good. Um, 280 HP on a Stage 1 is massive. And playing with this with something like the Flaffy Engine and Escape Ropes um, could be very strong. Um, that's my th two cents on it at the moment. Uh, thoughts? It's, uh, it's, it's just a really tanky electric type pokemon uh i love the paralysis on it i think that it is a high cost because you leave it in the active you discard the energies from it there's always cheryl because it is an evolution pokemon that will allow you to reset this if it doesn't get knocked out and stuff like that but overall kind of mediocre i would have liked to at least see this have like the terrestrial uh trait or an ability that lets it take 30 less damage from attacks from basic pokemon or something like that um, just to give it that extra push because everything else is a little lackluster, but I would understand a Pokemon with a sick ability or a trait plus two attacks that are mildly worthwhile, um, would be a little dangerous for the next format. Yeah. And, um, you know, thinking about it too, um, Maridon could potentially play this or you play this with like a Maridon, but the biggest com uh, companion to this would probably be outside of Flaffy is um, the Regilucky VMAX. So you can actually increase that damage as well as it's got a free. That's only for basics. Oh, is it only for basics? It's only for basics. Oh, well, then that changes. Yeah, never mind. That changes a lot. Those say you could increase the damage and those have free retreat. So you could literally, like I was saying, escape rope, put that back on the bench. Uh, flaffy to it, then free retreat with the Regilucky V Max. Um, 
but that changes a little bit of course um man i need to like stop working so much and like focus on what cards do again (laughs) (laughs) no it's all good that's what you gotta be for uh but the next cards we're going to talk about were some releases that we thought were fake uh from the pokemon card 151 set which was revealed during a japanese championship this weekend and the abra kadabra and alakazam evil line is back and this card is insane alakazam ex is a psychic type pokemon with 310 hp evolves from kadabra which we haven't had in a long time and i had to mention it because of that reason for two colors it does mind jack 90 plus damage this attack does 30 more damage for each of your opponent's bench pokemon it's just uh, a really good palkia and for two psychic it does dimensional manipulation and it does 120 damage, and this Pokemon can use this attack when it is on the bench. This is going to <laughs> make the game very difficult for people to learn who have always assumed that their Pokemon needed to be in the active. I haven't played in previous sets, so there might have been Pokemon that have done this in the past, but this attack seems cracked. You leave Mimikyu or um, Spiritomb or Clefki in the active and just attack from behind it. That seems insane. I've got to agree. I think, like, I actually thought this card was fake, too. Like, the, I thought all the releases from the 151 were fake because it came out on April Fool's Day. Um, but especially whenever I read that attack, the dimensional manipulation, again, as far as my knowledge, I have not seen anything that can attack from the bench. And the fact that we have, we're going to have Klefki in the same format um, is just going to make it wild because, yeah, you just leave the Klefki in the active where they're going to have no abilities whatsoever and you're going to just snipe things like or not snipe but attack while you're on the bench um and just sit behind a wall you know or like you said Mimikyu or Miltank or whatever um really really cool like it's they had to make it to where it was only 120 damage to make it not absolutely broken um because yeah that's just a wild ability yep uh, or attack, I, tend, I, guess. I i tend to agree this card is cracked 310 hp is still tremendous as well uh go ahead and talk about the next card buddy yep and then next up is mu ex uh basic psychic pokemon with 180 hp ability restart once during your turn you may draw cards until you have three cards in your hand um and for three colorless genome hack choose one of your opponent's active pokemon's attack and use it as this attack weak to dark uh resistance to fighting and retreat of zero i really like this um there's many times in Pokemon where you pair your hand down to one card, no cards, two cards, and the fact that this could sit on your bench and allow you to draw that one extra card and then you play something like a research or something like that, um, or it just even could save you from something like a Roxanne. Um, you get Roxanne to two, next turn you draw, you play out the one or two cards you have, and then you draw more cards. Um and then also the genome hack I like as well, too. Um, just being able to copy some of those attacks can be really cool, especially if you have things that are like um, really weird uh, attack costs. The fact that you don't have to have that same energy cost to copy that attack and just your um, your attack cost is really cool. The fact that it's three kind of sucks, but free retreat also helps in this aspect as well, too. Yeah, I think that this is kind of nutty. Uh the attack you can easily set up with things like the new Gardevoir EX. You do put six damage counters on yourself if you accelerate three energy onto it raw, or if you can get it 
um, with the Shining Arcana Gardevoir, you could do it for free with no damage counters on it. But going into the active and being able to copy, let's say, uh, Gudra's attack, that's kind of sick. To copy things like Giratina's attack with a basic Pokemon, uh, obviously not the V-Star power because you need a lot of cards in the Lost Zone, but to hit 280 and then put two of those energy that you have a very high count of into the Lost Zone is just is bonkers. Like, that's super sick. Yeah, and I actually didn't even think about Gardevoir. It's perfect spot for it, and that is, you know, you just accelerate the energies right there, free retreat, you know, or bring it to the active, and next turn you free retreat it. But, yeah, with Giratina seeing a lot of play, um, I think it would be really good to be able to swing 280 uh, on a basic Pokemon. Yeah, just really mm-hmm. cool. I, and, and Mew, of course, this will be an expensive card. I can almost guarantee this will get a really awesome full art or character rare or whatever they're called now um and be stupid amounts of money yep for sure and with escape rope being like the ultimate um like switch card now having a free pivot card like this in the format just makes any deck that can play this mew very strong i did find an interesting fact i actually saw on twitter as well too just throwing this out there so when this card comes out, it'll be the first time that you can play 16, a uh, 16 count of Mew in your deck because you have the baby Mew that does the items, uh, searches the items, these, Mew V, and Mew V Max. Oh, so that's you, crazy. Yeah, so you could actually play 16 Mews in a deck. I mean, I don't know how good that's going to be by any means, but you could do it if you really like it Mew. Won't, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for the memes, you definitely can. Um, and then the last card we're going to talk about is Safety Goggles. It's a tool card. And the basic Pokemon this card is attached to has no weakness. This is sick. And you may attach any number of tools you want to your Pokemon during your turn, blah, blah, blah. Um, the caveat is basic Pokemon. But the cool thing is my least favorite part about the Pokemon TCG can be eliminated with a tool card that can unfortunately be deleted by Klefki. But nonetheless, I think that a card like this is very good. I like this card a lot. Um... Coming from the past where we had things like Weakness Guard Energy, which I always loved including like a copy of that in any deck that had like an attacker with a single colorless energy, just to be able to turn off those weaknesses is really, really powerful because you could go into a lot of matchups and think you have an auto loss and that changes it. I do hate the fact that it has to be a basic, but at the same time, um, it doesn't say it doesn't have to be an EX or a V or anything like that, so... You know, there's that aspect too. If you're playing a, a big tanky basic EX or big tanky V, then you're worried. You go into a matchup and it's like, oh, that's my weakness. Well, cool. Let's just throw that on there now. And now you're not hitting me for weakness. Now you can just keep tanking. So, really well, cool. I run a whole bunch of Arvin and Mirrodon right now. And this being one Arvin search away to make my Mirrodon not get traded out by Galarian Zapdos V, I'm all for it. Yeah. Really good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, well, that basically wraps it up for all of the new cards that have been released. We have a little bit more news before we transition into our Patreon Discord update. Justin, what did we learn in the past week? League Cups and Challenges are coming back, baby. Yeah, let's go. What date was that? Uh, I believe they said April 15th or the middle of April. I forget the exact date off the top of my head. Um April 14th, 14th. is what oh, was a reliable website had just said. No, you're good. I, <laughs> I, I didn't know until I looked it up. So, uh, yeah, that's super sick. I am definitely very happy for those to be back. I've actually never participated myself, um, so take that information and do what you will with it. But I'm very excited for that to come back. 
yeah, I'm excited for challenges. Um, being in Central Florida, that's super competitive. I'm not necessarily looking forward to cups because pre-pandemic, our cups um, in Tampa and Orlando area were always like 70 plus people. Um, so I can only imagine now after pandemic and the growth of the game, we're going to have like 100 person grind it out all freaking day and night for a handful of points uh, scenario. Um, as much as I love playing the game, that just sounds like it could be kind of miserable at the same time. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I've never participated. Uh, that's kind of something that I really want to do. And um, I want to grow the game locally as much that as, as much as much as I can. Our community started so small pre-pandemic. There were a lot of players that fizzled out once shops closed down and you couldn't have IRL tournaments anymore. Um, so we're really starting from the ground up, and I'm excited to see if a lot more people come out of the wet work for these types of things and just do what we can to keep building this community that we have. I'm very, very excited for that. Um, but we'll go ahead and transition into our Patreon Discord updates. It's April, which means all of our patrons who have donated at the competitor tier or higher since the update will be receiving their first care package. It's very exciting, and I'm very look, very much so looking forward to those being distributed. And if you get yours, make sure you post it in the Discord and on Twitter for all of us to see the goodies that you got. Congrats to Aaron for winning our last PTCGO Standard Locals. And very soon here, we'll be announcing our first Webcam Locals, which is um, going to take place in a brand new format. Yeah, uh, I'm excited for the Webcam games. I've actually been meaning to jump on with you and a couple of our Discord members and play some games. Um, I fell asleep on the couch the other night when I was supposed to jump on and play some games, so my bad. Um, but again, uh, congrats to Aaron. He beat me in the finals to become the victor of the final PTCGO tournament. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to all this, and I'm looking forward to seeing what all you guys um, get in these care packages coming up, because we're excited to send them out. Yeah, and Aaron's getting the very first smoke and gold dice, so hopefully everybody That's gets right. that. Yeah, uh, be all jealous of that and fun stuff. But uh, yeah, that's it. So uh, we're not going to do any predictions this week because we have another week until we could do uh, our next podcast and talk about EUIC. But what I want to do is ask Justin to pick three cards that are de-stamped. And we're going to say goodbye to a lot of the cards from the early Sword and Shield format as we are rotating very, very soon. I've got some, <laughs> I've got some really weird ones, um, but it's because I feel like the early formats of Sword and Shield um, are earlier-esque. I played some decks that were strange, but also a lot of fun. Um, Orbital VMAX was one of those. I still remember playing uh, that deck when it was like really big with escape ropes and bird keepers and just placing all those damage counters and just absolutely destroying people. Um, I took that to some local tournament and... I remember specifically because there was a guy who was, um, he's, he's really nice now, but at the time he was being like super cocky about like, oh yeah, I've been to this regional, that regional, won this, won that. I'm like, okay, okay, yeah. And I play against them and I just like two owed them by placing damage counters. Like, what the heck is that? And so super fun deck um, at the time. And of course, completely got wiped off the face of the planet um, by Senescorch shortly after. Um, so that one was a lot of fun. Um, then Stone Joiner VMAX, because another really wacky deck where you just tanked and healed. Um, I remember um, 
taking that deck and going to a 1K with it. And I've pulled up to, I made a bet with my, my testing group. I said, hey, if you guys help me build this before the tournament, and this was like two days before, I was like, I will play it to the 1K. And I still remember pulling up to the 1K about 30 minutes early and putting, literally putting the deck together in a separate like part of the room, sleeving it up and having like people help me write my deck list as I sleeved it. And I went on to uh, a top eight split out of like 70 people with Stone Joiner VMAX um, of all things. Just like round one, got on stream against uh, Jeffrey Chris. Love that man. Uh, I was playing a deck that should technically have beat me, and I just tanked and healed so much until I was able to like run him out of resources. Such a fun deck. Uh, absolutely horrible to play against. Um, yeah, and it just was really, really good. Um, and then... Of course, then I'll go to something actually a little more practical. Um, I'm really going to miss... Oh, man, it's a hard tie between uh, Ordinary Rod... I'll, gi- I'll give you four. A four? Just, okay. Just just for the sake of it. Um, well, you know, I'll actually I'll skip out an Ordinary Rod because we know now we're getting Super Rod back, which is kind of similar in a sense. Um, but Evolution Incense, I'm going to miss a lot. Um, just having a reliable way with no caveat to it to find an Evolution... Um, was really really nice um, I really did enjoy that and then of course a lot of people are probably going to give me crap for it but uh, scoop up net obviously towards the end I played a lot of Reggie's um, I played a lot of single prizers uh, things like that uh, so I'm going to miss the aspect of scoop up net that made those single prize decks very um, streamlined and actually playable in that aspect um, a lot of people hate that card because of those things but like I said, Reggie player here at the end, and I'm going to miss playing Reggie's because I don't think that deck's going to be that great without those. Yep, yep, I tend to agree. Uh, what I want to do is when I pick my cards, I'm going to roll back to a DM that I had. Uh, being the fanboy that I was when I first started playing, uh, very early April 20, uh, 21, I was playing Urshifu. Um, Level Ball had just come out, and, you know, there was this. It was right before we hit the Chilling Rain era, and I was playing Shady Dealings and Teleon without the Keep Calling Sobble. I was playing four Evolution Incense, three Level Ball, so it was it was all over the place. Let me let me tell you, but you know the Sobbles didn't do anything, um, and I DM'd Andrew Mahone <laughs> and I said, "Hey, I've been playing this a lot locally. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, I really think that you would enjoy this list." And you know, I had never heard back, but. Turns out, Shady Dealings and Teleon with Rapid Strike Urshifu is pretty good. Won a couple of Players' Cups. And uh, I've always kind of patted myself on the back for that. So Shady Dealings and Teleon and Drizzile are going to be the first cards that I'm going to miss. Um, I really, really felt like the time I spent playing that deck before it had Keep Calling and all these other good, good things going for it uh, was just a really, really good time uh, for my play. I played the Shady Dealings line with Inteleon VMAX before this. And I won my very first booster box ever um, with that deck. And the League Battle deck that came out was si- like very, very similar to the list that I had played before, but it was missing like the Dedenes and the Crobats and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, Shady Dealings and Teleon is going to be the first one that I will uh, definitely miss. Uh, the next one's going to be Delmize VMAX. Very untapped potential that card had. Um, I played it with Arceus. 
in the later Brilliant Stars, early Astral Radiance meta, and it was outstanding. I loved that deck. I thought that it had so much going for it, and not many people saw the potential that I did with the meta cham and the double turbo energies and the one of mill tank, which always won me games, which is really cool. Um, but I'll miss that deck a whole lot. I think the Delmize is going to be one of those cards that I talked shit about a lot when it first came out, and it really grew on me after Arceus came out. So there's always that. Uh, Colossal VMAX is another favorite of mine. Uh, when Picaram was running house and Eternatus was running house, Colossal was there to be the deck that only won those two matchups. And I will really, really miss that deck. Uh, I tried to revamp it a little bit towards the end of the um, the format with the Radiant Eternatus and being able to put it directly on the bench, heavy scoop up nets and switch cups and stuff like that. But uh, just not enough fighting weak Pokemon in the format currently. Uh, but I'll definitely miss that deck a lot too. The whole Oranguru stack and then flip the eruption shot attack is just... It was one of the coolest mechanics that I've ever gotten a chance to play with. And then the last card, man, there's just, there are a lot of good cards. And I think that this one's incredibly unorthodox, but I'm going to miss Gallarmine. You know, uh, I played at the Full Grip 5K and at my very first regional, Leafeon VMAX. It was a terrible play. It was not the correct meta call for any of those events. I forced Galarian Moltres with energy switch into those decks specifically so that I can almost 50-50 Mew with a heavy Raihan engine, but it just, it was silly, but Galarmine was the spine of those decks, and I felt very comfortable playing that, again, with Shady Dealings and stuff like that, so uh, Galarmine will definitely be missed. It gave me that edge, and I'm hoping that I can continue to play Leafeon in the future, but Galarmine will always be a part of those good memories for me. Yeah, those those are all great cards. There's so many cards, you know, the more I sit here and think about it, that just fun decks that I played um, that, you know, in current format are no longer even viable, but just at the time were so much fun. Um, cards that were really good in different settings as far as, like, trainer cards. Um, I mean, we're losing things like the Sencino engine. I know we have, we have replacements, but early on that was, like, a really good engine for different things. We're losing things like... Um, you know, the more I think about it, uh, Senescorch, uh, when I mentioned that, it brought me back to Senescorch and Victini VMAX, that deck that I, I played that deck um, to, like, a we did a team-esque event, um, and I completely carried my team at one of the events and went completely undefeated for the day and beat the other team, every single one of the players, um, and gave our team a bunch of points, uh, you know, stuff like that. Just, yeah, there there's so many great cards and memories dragapult vmax that was a you know as cool of a card as that was and as toxic as it, as it got for a little bit um was just an awesome card as well um you know we're losing eternatus vmax that we just got back uh in you know a lot of standings and things like that so there are so many cool cards and i'm sure we could go on and on about stories and lists uh, stories and cards um that we're gonna miss but you know I think it's always great to continue to evolve the game and change things and keep this game moving forward because that's what keeps it fun is the fact that um, you know we're constantly learning and, and switching our decks up. If it was the same deck over and over again, we'd get bored. So um, I'm really looking forward to this next format and what it brings for us. Yeah, so if you had to name one card that you absolutely will not miss that is rotating, what would it be? Hmm... That's a hard one for me, I think. 
um, because I absolutely hated getting Marnied, but I loved playing Marnie. So, like, I'm happy for that to go, but at the same time, I'm kind of sad. Um, like I mentioned, I'm going to miss Scoop Up Nets, but I'm also kind of happy Scoop Up Nets are going. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head of a card that I'm just like, thank God it's gone, and I don't know. I don't think there's a card that I've ever been that salty over where I'm like, it just needs to go. So, I don't know. There, I also played a lot of decks that people hated, so I probably played the cards that people are happy to see rotate. <laughs> yeah. Um, mine's Hyper Potion. It You're happy to see that go? With, dude, it was too good with Double Turbo Energy. Yes, like, it's the same thing. Like, I loved using Marnie. I hated getting Marnie, but I... Loved using Hyper Potion, but I hated when my opponent could use it as well. I think, uh, I think you know, Aurora Energy was my second pick, but Hyper Potion, too good with all the special energy we're about to have, especially now that we have another energy coming in that provides three, and you can use that to discard with the Hyper Potion as well. So it's, it's a necessary evil, but it has to go. But it, but it was so good with Stone Joiner VMAX. Come on, you... You healed yeah. off a bunch of damage, and then you accelerated it right back and healed more damage. It was so good. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's, it's fine. <laughs> like, I, I, I played it. I played it in Delmas. I played it in Duraludon. I played it in Gudra, but it's too good. Like, Yeah, I can you, see that. If, if you remove all the Hyper Potion plays I've ever made with that card, I lose all those games. So <laughs> it's like... You're not you wrong. Have to, yeah, you just, you just have to look at the merit, like... I should not be winning this game, but Hyper Potion stole it, and it's a necessary tech, but I am happy to see it leave. <laughs> well, that's that's a good one. I, I could agree. There's been a lot of games that I've I've cheesed out wins because I just Hyper Potioned multiple times in a game. Yep. No, for sure. It's just, it's too much healing. You know, you need less healing. There's some cool healing cards coming out in the future, but, you know, that's too much. Did you just think of a card yet? Uh, no, I don't think I have, honestly. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> um, actually, you know what? I will. Zacian V. Um, just the the base set one, or sword, yeah, Sword and Shield base set, because, um, and maybe it's just early day biased of the sets coming out, but I still remember when that card came out, um, I was big into Guardian at that point, and that was like the deck that beat regular ADP, and then... ADPZ happened because Asian came out and my Guardian just instantly died all the time and I just completely destroyed my favorite deck because it accelerated energies like super easily um, to a deck that was already very powerful and people were already trying to counter so um, good rinse is Asian V. Um, I played it in control uh, early days because going first why not draw three extra cards for your hand um, but yeah I could see that card being gone I mean not carrying that it's gone yep no i tend to agree and that that's gonna do it for the show um thank you so much for listening to us ramble about cards that are new and cards that are gone uh justin go ahead and plug it up uh if you guys want to find me on twitter my handle is pokebrews tcg and if you want to find me on instagram my handle is pokebrews uh instagram is the easiest way to reach me currently on both social socials you'll find things uh you'll find my linktree account where you can find things like my tcg player affiliate link um, and I do want to say thank you to all of you guys who recently used that while you were picking up um, new cards from Scarlet and Violet. Um, really, really appreciate you guys. 
Um, if you use that link, any shopping you do directly supports the show and upcoming regional expenses, all that costing you nothing extra. You can also find things like our PCS podcast official merchandise by Bonfire. That link is bonfire.com slash store slash PCS pod. Um, we also have a Twitch channel where we'll be live streaming the pod every week as well as doing some tabletop games as soon as we get that up and running. And you can find that at twitch.tv slash PCS pod. Um, and I want to make an announcement. The wife approved me to go to NAIC. So yeah. if you guys are going to that um, and, you know, once obviously registration's up and open and I can get registered, um, come find me there. And I'm looking forward to playing some Pokemon with you all. Um, on to you, Drew. All right. If you want to find me on YouTube or Twitter, they are both at Katana TCG. That is also my Instagram handle as well. Make sure when you're sleeving up your favorite deck or storing your collection in the premium accessories uh, provided by Ultimate Guard. This is the easiest way to get your hands on the full line of their current collection is Amazon.com. Or you can win some stuff by playing in our events or partaking in our monthly giveaway. If you'd like to join our Patreon, you directly support the podcast, but we also have a lot of givebacks, such as entries for the monthly giveaway, and as well as entrance to the PCS Locals, which features a ton of Ultimate Guard swag, as well as other uh, PTCGO codes and stuff like that. So make sure you're checking out our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. And go ahead and sign us off, Justin. We will see you guys next week. See ya.